there's something that can trip us up when it comes to belief in God. And that's suffering. If there is a God and God is all powerful and God is all knowing and God is good, why suffering? It's an honest question. It's a question I've asked more than once and probably you have too. And we're entering into a series we've entitled Chasing Joy. So how does this all work together? How do we chase joy in the reality of suffering? And where is God in all of this? That's what I wanna talk about today. And I wanna look at it through the lens of scripture. We're gonna be in 1 Peter chapter one. And I wanna look at it through the lens of story. We're gonna hear a story from one of those who is part of our Menlo family. But before we dive in, let me pray. Father, I come to you and I just ask that through your word and by your spirit, would you speak to us today? And for the one who is suffering, for the one who is facing pain, somehow, some way, would they experience you? Would they hear from you? Would the words of my mouth and the meditation of my soul be pleasing to you? And would your word go forth with power? Would you speak to us in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Amen. Well, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, just six verses, verses 3 through 9. If you have a Bible, you can grab it or we'll have the verses up here on the screen. Let me give you a little bit of context. So this book is written by Peter. Peter was a follower of Jesus. He had walked with Jesus for years and been with him throughout his uh, ministry. And he's writing to this church, actually to a group of churches. And these are folks who maybe had not seen Jesus, but they believed in Jesus and they were all in with Jesus. And as they followed Jesus, these new uh, Christian churches, as they followed Jesus, they experienced suffering. There's no health and wealth gospel here. They were facing real persecution. Some amongst them were being martyred, were dying for their faith in Jesus. Others were being put in prison. They were experiencing rejection and isolation. And so Peter is writing to these young churches and he says this in verse three, he says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is what we talked about last week. This is Easter that God has given us a living hope, a hope for today, but also a hope for the future. Because Jesus was resurrected, we can know that we will be resurrected. Peter goes on and he says, and this was 
another thing that God gave us. He gave them an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, Peter says, in all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And here I want to pause. I want to pause on the rejoicing. In this, what God has given you, it is cause for rejoicing. But there's suffering. There's rejoicing and there's suffering. There's suffering and there's rejoicing. Can these two realities, can they coexist together? Before we go on in this passage, I want to pause and I want you to hear from Keith Mello. He's a new friend of mine, but he's been a part of the Menlo family for quite a while. And we had a conversation last week. And just to give you a little bit of history on Keith, uh, Keith, many years ago, after he graduated from college, he was about to start his career and he was diagnosed with cancer. And it was horrific. It was horrific chemo. Uh, horrific stays in the hospital for a young 20-something. In that time, he met his wife and they ultimately had two kids, so there's uh, some silver lining. But then seven years ago, Keith was diagnosed with lung disease and there's no cure. He was able to get a lung transplant and that came with its own horrors and difficulties. And then Last March, March 2020, he started to have some symptoms. And so he needed to go into the hospital. And as you remember, March 2020, if you went into the hospital, you went in alone. There was no family around you. There were no visitors. Well, let me let Keith tell you his story. Here's Keith. When things got lonely and kind of uh, hopeless in some ways, I, I felt... God with me specifically, I, I would I would hold my hand up and, and I could feel, you know, my hand being grasped and, and, and I felt this compassion from 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 God and from from Jesus, like, you know, I'm here with you. And uh and this isn't this is not great. And you know, this is something you're gonna have to do, but you're not gonna have to do it alone. Um I felt this sense of empathy and along with the strength. You know, it wasn't, you know, there were times where I got discouraged, but I didn't get angry. I mean, I, you know, I just, there was something about it where I felt that, you know, that the suffering that I had was similar in some ways to some of the things that Jesus had to go through as well. And, and, and that many people go through. I've had a lot of setbacks, as you mentioned, that one trip to the hospital was really tough. Um, I didn't end up having COVID, but I had a, another similar virus called RSV that really, really took me down. And, uh, those 10 days in the hospital, you know, in, in isolation was, probably the toughest of everything I'd been through. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was my life group that would text me Bible passages. And it was me talking to my mom and praying and singing, I mean, Christmas songs even, you know, anything to try. I couldn't, I just felt so terrible and I was so alone, mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, but I knew when my hands were open and this time <laughs> both hands were open and, and I was wanting, you know, God to hold, hold me and, and get me through that. And, and I did. Um, so that was, you know, for me, it was about this feeling of 
somebody walking with you, you know, and, and this, this feeling of sadness, knowing that I had to go through what I had to go through, mm-hmm. but, but knowing that, um, you know, there was something that I could handle and because I was handling it with God. But I know even from talking to you last week, mm-hmm. just there's seems like there's been some moments of joy and there's, there's been some sweet things along the way, even with the suffering. And I was wondering if you could share a little bit about that. I remember, you know, one of those moments, my, my twin brother actually brought some friends to visit me um, uh, one night after a really tough chemo session. And, you know, they just started walking in the door where I was staying and just one by one, and they just kind of coming in and, and we just played cards and we, you know, we just talked and, the, and it was something that, you know, it's meant the world to me to be able to, to do that. I'm so much joy just in, you know, not just the playing of the cards, but just being together. I mean, something I know we're all missing right now. Um, when I looked over and I saw my oncologist at my wedding, you know, it was just, you know, he drove down to be there and he just means so much to me and he still does. Um, you know, see my wife smile when she picked me up after the isolation. I mean, it was just so much was said in that moment, so much joy of like, you know, I'm here, everything's going to be okay. Um, Hearing my dad, you know, cheer on the video that he shot when he went to watch my kids play sports because I couldn't go because I was in the hospital for 47 days after the transplant mm-hmm. and I couldn't be there. And it just it hurt so bad because but then see my dad go and, and just in filming it for me and we're watching it on a little screen. But the joy that he expressed, you know, watching my kids uh, just gave me a lot. And, and but I think the thing that sticks with me the most, this little moment that you and I talked about last week was when around the holidays this year, we were watching a, a TV show as a family and they were talking to a, um, a son of a cancer survivor. And he said that his dad was the toughest guy he ever knew. And my 13 year old daughter, um, barely loud enough for me to hear said, you haven't met my dad. And that just made me smile because that that's what it's been all about. I mean, I've, I've wanted my kids to see, you know, that that I was strong, but also that I was enjoying my life that I, I enjoy all these little moments that we've had together and I continue to enjoy them. And, and yeah, it's, it, you know, maybe I understand a little bit better than some people about taking things for granted, but to be honest, I'm just living each day like everybody else. It, it still is emotionally difficult. It's still hard to, to sit back and go, okay, like what opportunities are out there? Why am I not taking advantage of this? What can I do to enjoy, you know, this gift that we've all been given. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, we're all dying, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, and it's, and it's just like, we all, whatever we can do. And, and I think this COVID time has slowed us down. A lot of us to sit back and say, you know, how do I, I find more joy and actually spread more joy because there's a lot of suffering going on out there. And I've always said people have it a heck of a lot worse than I ever did. That's good. Right. A good word. How do we find more joy? How do we spread more joy? Something in the spreading of joy increases the joy, right? Well, Peter, we'll go back to our passage. Peter, again, had said, in all this, in all that God has given you, in all that God has given us, we greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while, You may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ 
is revealed. There is suffering and there is joy. There is joy and there is suffering. And maybe you're saying, well, that sounds kind of chirpy and kind of Pollyanna. And maybe you're saying, you don't know. You don't know my pain and my suffering. And I don't. I don't know what you're experiencing in this season. Perhaps it's been great loss. Maybe it's incredible anxiety or depression. Maybe it's something in your marriage or with your family. Maybe you've experienced over this past year the loss of somebody that you love dearly. Perhaps it's the loss of a job maybe the loss of a dream. And you say, you don't know. And I don't. But what do we do with all that pain? Where do we go with all that pain? There are many different religions and philosophies that offer some answers. For some, the answer is detachment that you detach, you get to a place where none of those things matter. But no one, even those who follow those philosophies, have been able to completely detach. We are feeling people. There's philosophies and religions that might point you to uh, positive thinking if you could just think positive thoughts, if you could wake up and give yourself a pep talk in the morning, what do we do with the pain? I want to offer you Christianity because there's something really unique in Christianity. It's the only religion that I know of where God, the God of Christianity, steps into our suffering. We follow a God who, who stepped in and became human and walked among us, Jesus. Jesus who existed for all eternity, but stepped into time and space. He doesn't stand detached. He doesn't stand from afar, but he steps into our world. And Jesus, who was born into a family, probably into some form of poverty, he experienced so much of what we experience. We're pretty sure he experienced the loss of his earthly father somewhere in his journey. He, lost, he experienced death of someone he loved. He experienced being misunderstood to be God yet man in a world that didn't know who he was or why he came. He experienced rejection. He experienced betrayal. And of course, Jesus experienced physical pain. And many of you are experiencing physical pain. Maybe it's chronic pain. Maybe it's a diagnosis. And for some, 
you've experienced not only physical pain, but you've experienced abuse. And there's something that Jesus experienced with you, even when we think of the crucifixion, that others had experienced. But there was an abuse in that kind of death. There was a stripping naked. There was a beating. There was being hung naked on a cross in front of everyone. People would walk by and mock Our God, Jesus, can say, I know, I know. Perhaps the most profound verse in the scripture is the shortest verse. Jesus wept. The creator of the universe cried. And so the invitation that is offered to us is an invitation to enter into this coexistence of suffering and joy, joy and suffering. Something unique for the Christian, I believe, is that we live kind of, we live in this in-between time. We live in the coming of God's kingdom through Jesus, and we are awaiting the ultimate fulfillment of that kingdom, that hope, that living hope of what is today and what will come, Jesus coming to make all things new, all things right. And so as Christians, in the Jesus way, we too can weep. We too can grieve a world that is not what it's supposed to be. And yet we can rejoice with the hope of what will be. And as Christians, following in the way of Jesus, we can rejoice in just the simplest of things. We embrace life. We aren't sad and just waiting. We, we're embracing a cup of coffee a good conversation with a friend, relationships, the ocean, the sunset. And yet we grieve because even some of the best of things can leave us disappointed. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said this, C.S. Lewis said, our heavenly father refreshes us on the journey with some pleasant ends but will not encourage us to mistake them for home. We were made for more. We were made for something beyond. We were made for the new heaven, the new earth, the resurrected body. And so we grieve what is not, and we rejoice in what is. And so I want to encourage you just two things, two things that we can do even today. We can grieve. We can grieve. In the grieving is the healing. I could quote lots of different, you know, psychologists and all the research, and we know this to be true, that to heal, we need to grieve. There's healing in the grieving. And, and there's, even, there's even for us, and I want to say this, there are things that we will always grieve, 
The point isn't that you grieve and get over it, but that we grieve and we can still get up, right? There will be losses and grief that we carry with us throughout this life, right? And that's okay. Jesus wept. But we also want to be a people who chase joy, who chase joy. The joy of a God who comes near, a joy of a God who sees us, a joy of a God who says, I know. Because chasing joy is chasing Jesus. I have a friend who in this season, we were talking and she encouraged me. She was saying that she's been keeping track of her COVID wins. And she's had COVID. She wouldn't put that in the COVID win column. But it encouraged me to start keeping track of what are some of the wins? The opportunity I've had to be with my family because I've been able to work remotely at times. The opportunities that I've had to read more fiction the different pace that we've had in this season. Those are COVID wins for me. You probably have your COVID wins. Make a list, return to them, chase joy in them. I love how Keith chased joy, right? The joy of friends showing up to play cards. The joy of his wife's smile. The joy of that moment when his (laughs) 13-year-old says, you don't know my dad. Keith has been chasing joy because joy has chased him. That's the good news. That's the good news of chasing Jesus and having Jesus chase us. How do you go after the God who's come after you? Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, he says, For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. There is the suffering with Christ. There is the comfort of Christ. How do you invite Jesus to comfort you? I love the picture that Keith gave. And it was the picture of somebody who knows suffering to just lift his hand and ask God to hold it, to be there with him. How does the scripture speak to you in your suffering? I love this coincidence that when you open your Bible, if you usually, if you pop it down in the middle, there's this whole book of Psalms. They're prayers, and they contain the language of the human heart. They are prayers of those who suffer, and they're the prayers of those who rejoice. And we can just open the Psalms and let them speak to us and let them guide us as we speak to God. How do you let God come into your space and be near to you? Jesus, who wept, weeps with you, 
weeps with me. Peter, I think at the end of this passage, he's addressing this suffering church. And I think he's just amazed by them. John Crosby mentioned this last weekend, this this little verse. Peter says to them, he says in verse eight, though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. And I have to think that Peter is thinking, I saw Jesus. I ate with him. I walked with him. I spent so much time with him. But when things got hard, I denied even knowing him. And yet you, you haven't even seen him. And you love him. And things have gotten hard and you keep loving him. Peter says, though you have not seen Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving, you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We have a salvation that is here and now. We have been rescued from our brokenness and brought near to God. And we have a salvation that is coming. A a living hope. And we receive that. Joy has chased us. And we can chase joy. I want to leave you with this benediction, this prayer of blessing that actually comes from this same book in 1 Peter. Near the end of the book in chapter 5, Peter gives this early church this blessing, and I want to give you this blessing. He says in verse 7, he says, cast all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him, to this God, to our Savior, to the one who came near, to the one who weeps, To him be the power forever and ever. Amen.